1: Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to IMRU Radio Magazine,
2: the nation's longest running lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender radio show.
1: Out front and out loud since 1974.
2: I'm Wenzel Jones.
1: And I'm Abby Dees. Tonight we'll discuss the LGBTQ side of tomorrow's historic election with Stephen David Simon from the Stonewall Democratic Club and Charles Moran from the Log Cabin Republicans.
2: And we're going to touch base with Eric Paul Loya, the executive director of the Free Speech Coalition, the adult industry trade organization about his concerns about Proposition 60. But first, the
1: national and international news from This Way Out.
0: I'm Michael Lebeau.
3: And I'm Sarah Sweeney.
0: With NewsWrap, a summary of some of the news in or affecting LGBT communities around the world for the week ending November 5th, 2016. Russia lost its seat on the United Nations Human Rights Council this week to Hungary and Croatia. Vladimir Putin's regime has come under increasing scrutiny in recent years over its human rights abuses, especially against sexual and gender minorities. Putin pushed for and signed a national law in 2013 that outlaws the dissemination of vaguely defined gay propaganda. The so-called No Promo Homo" law has been used to shut down all pro-LGBT public events, including pride celebrations. Russia was running for re-election to the Human Rights Council in a three-way race for the two seats available to the Eastern European bloc. In a secret ballot by the entire UN General Assembly, Hungary received 144 votes, and Croatia got 114 votes for the second seat to narrowly beat out Russia's 112. According to the New York Times, it's the first time a permanent member of the United Nations Security Council has lost a seat on the Human Rights Council, which was established in 2006 to strengthen the promotion and protection of human rights. Reuters reported that there was also behind-the-scenes lobbying against Russia's candidacy because of its military support for the Syrian regime of Bashar al-Assad. Nevertheless, other countries with poor human rights records won seats on the council. Saudi Arabia led the balloting in the Asian region, securing a seat alongside Iraq and China.
3: Meanwhile, BuzzFeed News reported late this week that the recently created LGBT rights watchdog position at the U.N. could be eliminated before the end of the coming week. The position is formally known as a special rapporteur who's mandated to monitor violence and discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity. The office was created in June by the Human Rights Council. In September, the council's president announced that the post would be filled by Weetit Mantapan, a Thai law professor who has previously served as special rapporteur on North Korea. The resolution to undo the LGBT rights watchdog position was introduced in the General Assembly by Sierra Leone on behalf of the Group of African States. It proposes to defer consideration of the creation of the post in order to allow time for further consultations to determine its legal basis. Opponents of LGBT rights, particularly from Africa and the Middle East, insist that sexual orientation and gender identity issues are not covered by international law. The resolution is scheduled for a vote by the entire U.N. General Assembly on November eighth. It only needs a simple majority, or 97 votes, to pass. A U.S. diplomat who spoke to BuzzFeed on the condition of anonymity called the vote hard to predict.
0: A record crowd of more than 80,000 people celebrated LGBT Pride in Taipei on October 29th. They were also celebrating the government's introduction on October 24th in Taiwan's legislature of one of three bills relating to civil marriage equality, which is supported by President Tsai ing wen She was elected in January and made marriage equality one of the cornerstones of her campaign. Tsai posted a picture on Facebook on the day of the Taipei Pride Parade of a rainbow over a landscape that she said her friend had taken recently. Today there is a rainbow in Taiwan, she wrote. The rainbow flag flew over Taipei City Hall for the first time to coincide with the Pride March. Taichung Mayor Lin chai lung promised to fly it in December during his city's Pride events. Legislators and key figures from all three major political parties marched in Taipei's parade. Each party, including the ruling Democratic Progressive Party, has introduced a marriage equality-related bill. The opening of civil marriage to same-gender couples in Taiwan would be a first in Asia. But more than 2,000 phone calls linked to the Protect Family Alliance, a coalition of conservative religious groups opposed to civil marriage equality, clogged the Taipei City government's hotlines to condemn the march. The self-identified Defender of Family Values group calls homosexuality a curable disease. Pride organizers called their phone call gambit a huge waste of government resources.
3: In other news, Texas has led seven other Republican-dominated U.S. states and one far-right Northeastern U.S. governor in a joint friend-of-the-court brief supporting Mississippi's so-called religious freedom law, thought to be the most blatantly anti-LGBT U.S. state law in recent memory. Mississippi Governor Phil Bryant signed the Religious Liberty Accommodations Act in April. Known as HB 1523, it allows anti-LGBT discrimination in any employment-related decision and any decision concerning the sale, rental, or occupancy of a dwelling, as long as that bias is based on sincerely held religious belief or moral conviction. The law specifies three such beliefs, that only heterosexual couples can marry, that sex is only permissible within heterosexual marriage, and that gender is immutable and determined at birth. Joining Texas in the the front-of-the-court brief at the Fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals are Arkansas, Louisiana, Nebraska, Nevada, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Utah, and Maine's writer-than-right Governor Paula Page.
0: The Mississippi law was overturned by U.S. District Court Judge Carlton Reeves as unconstitutional in late June, literally hours before it was scheduled to take effect. Mississippi's Democratic Attorney General Jim Hood has refused to appeal that ruling, so Governor Bryant has hired private attorneys to represent the state in that effort. Some of them work for Alliance Defending Freedom, an Arizona-based conservative Christian legal group that helped write the measure. HB 1523 is among more than 100 anti-LGBT bills that have been considered in more than 20 Republican-controlled state legislatures across the country following the June 2015 U.S. Supreme Court civil marriage equality ruling.
3: Elsewhere, the government in the Australian state of Queensland continues to advance LGBT rights. As our correspondent John Frame in Brisbane reported, age-of-consent laws involving consensual gay sex were made equal to those covering heterosexual sex last month after a 16-year campaign. And this week, although the vote was close, Queensland lawmakers passed a measure to allow same-gender couples to adopt children. The Speaker cast the deciding vote. The new law also allows single people and couples undergoing fertility treatment to adopt. Opponents claim that there was an insufficient demand for adoption in the state, and by implication, that opening adoption to same-gender couples could deny some heterosexual couples an adoptive child. But Industrial Relations Minister Grace Grace spoke to Parliament as the mother of an adopted daughter during 90 minutes of sometimes-heated debate. We should be encouraging more Queenslanders to adopt children, she argued, where they have a clear desire and a demonstrated ability to raise children in a loving family environment. That's exactly what I have done as the mother of a beautiful, wonderful, and absolutely loved adopted daughter, she added. And it's what many other Queenslanders want to do. South Australia and the Northern Territory are now the only parts of Australia where lesbian and gay couples are not allowed to adopt.
0: That's News Wrap for the week ending November 5th, 2016. Produced by Steve Pride, written by Greg Gordon, and recorded at the studios of KPFK Los Angeles.
3: Follow the news in your area and around the world. An informed community is a strong community.
0: News Wrap from This Way Out is brought to you by you.
3: Help keep us on the air and in your ears at thiswayout.org, where you can also read the text of this newscast. For This Way Out, I'm Sarah Sweeney.
0: And I'm Michael LeBeau. Remember, you can hear all
1: 30 commercial-free minutes of This Way Out on the podcast at thiswayout.org and on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher.
2: Officially founded in 1991, the Free Speech Coalition is the national trade association to the adult entertainment industry. Its mission is to lead, protect, and support the growth and well-being of the adult entertainment community.
1: Executive Director Eric Paul-Loya has been campaigning hard against California's Proposition 60, which is the proposition that requires adult film actors to wear condoms. He joins us tonight by phone tonight to give us the 411 as he sees it. Hi, Eric.
2: Are you there?
4: Hi, how are you?
1: (laughs) We're doing well. This is a big night.
4: It is a big night. Thank you so much for having me back on the show. Um, um, yeah, you, I think you just kicked it off right. Um, I think we have to start with Prop 60 is not about condoms. <laughs> okay.
2: And, and what is it about?
4: It? <laughs> so sadly, sadly enough, um, we call this a Trojan horse, and uh, the pun is very much intended. Prop 60 looks like a good idea from the outside, but when you look deeper into the fine print, into the enforcement mechanisms, and that performers can directly be sued by any California resident, you know why the California Democratic, Republican, and Libertarian Party can only agree on this one ballot measure and say vote no.
1: And why? I mean, I, do, I have talked to lots of people who think, well, that sounds yeah. like common sense, we do care about these people. What's the problem?
4: Well, the, the problem really is that Um, should a condom not be visible in every single frame of uh, any adult content, then um, any California resident can file a lawsuit, and with those lawsuits, what they will gain access to is the legal name and the private home address of our adult film performers. Now, you can imagine how incredibly frightening that is to our performers who have many, many, you know, maybe just a little bit overexcited fans um, or even stalkers or people that don't wish them well. So... It's really in the fine print um, of Proposition 60 that we have to look deeper. I mean, as an industry, obviously we are incredibly concerned about workplace safety. That's why we work with Cal OSHA. That's why we're building industry-specific regulation. But what Prop 60 will do is it'll it'll cut out the worker, the voice of the workers that it actually affects, and all of those workers are actively saying, "Please vote no." Please listen to us and please don't put us in danger with Prop 60.
2: So so Eric who who's behind this and how did it get this far because when you put it that way it sounds ridiculous.
4: Yeah, I mean I mean it is, it is pretty ridiculous. Prop 60 is, is ridiculous. That's why over 60 newspapers in the state have now opposed it. Uh, numerous sexual health and HIV, LGBTQI, and civil rights organizations like the LA LGBT Center, AIDS Project Los Angeles, San Francisco AIDS Foundation, even Equality California, and, and so many, many more. But who's behind it is Michael Weinstein of the AIDS Healthcare Foundation. And he's used $5 million of charity money that should have been used to provide care to people living with HIV. And he's basically put it into this um, in order to shut out the workers' voices, because they've continuously asked to meet with him, and he never does. He's always said, oh, I don't need to talk to you. I know what's best for you. And I find that very frightening.
1: So... But we do have some issue. There is a there is a risk here. This is not the most empowered group of workers. Um, How do we best address this concern if not through a proposition like this?
4: So I think, I think um, if, if anybody, if any of the listeners go on Twitter or any other social media and they look up hashtag NoProp60, you'll see 1,800 performers out there that are saying, please vote no on this because this is not the right way. Um, I think the best way to do it is to really support them in their efforts with Kalosha to build industry-specific regulations because they're the experts in their jobs, really. And um, many people don't know, for example, that uh, the adult film performers test for HIV and the and a whole series of STIs every 14 days. If we compare that to the general public, where more than 50% of the people have ever had only an HIV test versus adult film performers that get tested 26 times a year for HIV, syphilis, chlamydia, gonorrhea, trichomoniasis, um, hepatitis C, hepatitis B, and more, then you know there there is much that the proponent of this measure doesn't want the public to know. And, and that's what we're having a really hard time with, because we're really the grassroots campaign. I mean, we're the smallest, we're the smallest campaign on the ballot. We, we have the least amount of money, and we have the largest opposition, because people that look at the measure and that look at the fine print, read the editorial boards that recommend no, they start understanding, hold on, there is a lot more to this than what the title lends it to be. Well, and, for sex, for us, is a big focus.
2: And not to be mercenary about it, but I remember when there was yeah. a similar... Uh, thing in L.A. County, and the business mm-hmm. just picked up and moved to Ventura County, and that yeah, was a and, lot of I mean, tax
4: base. Measure B was, was largely ruled unconstitutional under the Fourth Amendment, and the the enforcement mechanisms in Measure B were, were um, basically ruled un- unconstitutional, right? So what we're looking at also in Proposition 60 is that the proponent has written himself a state job, and anybody who files these lawsuits gets 25% of any fines imposed, while the proponent would, if the attorney general doesn't want to defend the law, um, should it get should it pass and get challenged, then the proponent, Michael Weinstein, gets a state job, he gets sworn into office, and he can use unlimited amounts of taxpayer dollars to defend the measure and basically enforce it. And. And that's really frightening because our workers don't have that kind of money. They don't have an unlimited pot like the like the California taxpayers money.
1: Is is it drafted so that they are the performers are on the hook, not just the filmmakers?
4: Correct. So so what the proponent wants you to believe is, oh, no, no, this is just going after the production companies. But in how the industry works today, actually, um, over 75% of the performers have a dire- direct financial stake in their work. So through affiliate programs, through clip sharing, through content trades, through webcamming, which even married couples can do, right? We have a lot of married couples that do webcamming on, on the sides to sort of beef up their income. If those married couples don't wear a condom, you can file a lawsuit against them. And that's, and that's really frightening. So, yes, it's directly written to affect the adult performers. And, and if we're talking about we want to keep them safe and we understand that that's one of the most marginalized workforces, then what we need to do is we need to empower their voices, not take their voices away.
1: Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us and share your perspective on this. I also want to make sure I've got your name right. Eric Paul Liu or Loya?
4: No, pretend you're from Boston and you're looking for an attorney. A lawyer. I'm yeah. looking oh,
1: yeah. for a lawyer. Uh, well, thank
4: you <laughs> how so much. That's <laughs> There
1: you go. Okay. Thank you so much. And, thank you
4: uh, so very much. We look forward to the election tomorrow, and um, keep going. I- we love your show. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And have a wonderful night. Bye-bye now.
1: You too. Bye-bye. 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 And for more info about the Free Speech Coalition, you can go to their website at freespeechcoalition.com.
4: We have
2: in studio, sitting with us at this moment, Charles Moran, who is the former Chairman for Log Cabin California, California LGBTQ Trump Co-Chair, and National LGBT Campaign Surrogate.
1: Hello, Charles. Welcome.
2: Thanks for having me on tonight.
1: So I'm sure it's not a surprise that some people call you a rainbow unicorn. Yes. Now, is that true? Are you, are you a re- unicorn or are there more of you?
5: Um, I think there are more of this than people realize. As the LGBTQ community is extremely diverse in every way possible, size, shape, color, gender orientation, religion, um, ethnicity, as is the political persuasions
2: as well. I have well. to raise my hand. I don't know what the term means.
1: <laughs> what, you, rainbow unicorn? No. It's a very rare and a mythical creature.
2: Oh, because I know na- another. I know another gay Republican.
1: <laughs> See, so this is two. Yeah, he's going okay. right to it. Okay. He's saying no. He's oh, okay. not. He's, we he's just
2: double just... our size real fast.
5: <laughs> just
1: a regular horse is really yes, <laughs> yes, but but rainbow and attractive. Um, we try. <laughs> The national chapter for the Log Cabin Republicans declined to endorse Trump this election. They did say, and I think a lot of people would agree with this, that he's been the most pro-LGBT candidate as a Republican candidate for the office of president that we have seen. But they were concerned that they couldn't trust him on these issues. But the Los Angeles chapter has taken the other position, and they have come out and supported Trump. And I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about this break between national and local.
5: Typically, uh, you know, we all stay in our own silos and log cabin land. Local chapters endorse their local, you know, elected officials and ballot measures. State does state and then national does national Um, under this circumstance. Clearly the national organization, just like a lot of other Republican organizations, you know, were as, as the division goes in the Republican party. And there's a little bit of a struggle um, with some folks there that existed in log cabin as well over, you know, a a full throated endorsement or, you know, statements of support of Donald Trump for president. Um, The organization knew that this was going to be a contentious issue across the country. In fact, they um, took an unprecedented move of polling all of the chapters throughout the country. Um, To ask them what, you know, whether or not an endorsement should be made of Donald Trump. And 75% of our chapters across the nation voted in support of endorsing Donald Trump for president. Um, The board of 14 members of our national organization um, voted otherwise in a very, very tight, um, close vote. And um, I won't go into – I don't sit on the national board. I'm not purview to any of those discussions. But it was a tight vote. They declined to endorse. That's only happened once in the organization's history up to the point. But knowing that there was so so many people who were passionate supporters and recognizing the fact that Donald Trump is basically the most pro-LGBTQ Republican nominee we've ever had in recent history – um, they let the chapters individually go ahead and, and voice their support if they so chose, um, and a number of them have done it. Los Angeles chapter did. Um, California, our umbrella organization, did a number of them. Orange County, oh. uh, Dallas, oh. Miami. Uh, I mean, number. Of, you know, many, many chapters throughout the country took the steps to go ahead and reaffirm their support. Um, and national let us do that. Um, typically, again, the chapters can't endorse in federal races, and there's campaign finance stuff around that, but. We keep ourselves insulated from that. But in this situation, National knew that there was going to be disagreement here. So they went ahead in this one-time-only exception, let the chapters, if they so chose.
1: What is it about Trump, from your point of view, that that LGBT people aren't getting?
5: Um, I think that he has a long philanthropic and business history of being inclusive, um in, two th- in the year 2000 he was flirting with running for president um for the fir- he sat down with the advocate and did a a, a full person to face-to-face sit-down interview no major presidential campaign d or r had actually done that up to the point so donald trump f- took that first step as a p- potential contender sitting down with our national lgbt news magazine to do that interview and to answer those questions um, if you look at his fil- his business work, um, his club in, in Florida, Mar-a-Lago, um, which was a private estate he converted to a country club, up to that point in Palm Beach, um, those clubs were not allowed. Uh, they didn't let in um, African-Americans, open homosexuals to become members. And he made it a point to open up his club that if you were openly homosexual, you could apply and be given membership. Um, even if you look at you know his philanthropic donations to uh, in New York to like the Elizabeth Taylor AIDS Foundation, I mean, sizable six-figure contributions over the years to support that. Um, You know, his participation in gay marriages, you know, when when Elton John got married, I mean, he went on the record and, you know, it said his famous line, like when two when two people dig each other, they should be able to be together in this type of situation. So he has a you know, he doesn't have a voting history because he's never been an elected official. So you can't go back and say, well, policy, you know, he voted for this or he voted for that. But in the two areas where he has made a difference, which is business and philanthropy. Up until this very recently when he said, you know, Caitlyn Jenner can use whatever Mm -hmm. bathroom she wants, which was great because that shut down that debate in the Republican Party when Ted Cruz was raging and Marco Rubio didn't know. Okay, so that goes to, you know, where this is going. it, It got to the point where looking at his business record and looking at his philanthropic record, which are the two areas we can really judge him on for better or worse. He's been pro LGBT inclusion on a business side and on a philanthropic side, so but I this lean is, on that. This right. is the issue, and the mm-hmm. federal
1: log cabin, or the national log cabin chapter, of course, made this point. He has he's very confusing around this, mm-hmm. and it's very hard to know what what he really thinks because you know he's also suggested that he would dominate. Supreme Court justices that have a very anti-gay record Mm -hmm. and he's come out and said that he is for traditional marriage Mm -hmm. which we know is code for get rid of gay stuff and he's flirted with the idea of a federal religious freedom protection amendment and he nominated Pence as his running mate. How are how are people supposed to make sense of this? I mean, I think the general sense that people have is that, no, probably he personally doesn't really care that much if, you know, Mm -hmm. gay people are working for him one way or the other. But it does seem that he kind of goes where the wind blows, that it works for him.
5: His 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 general operative statement up to this point has been and there's been little things like, okay, a Pence, you know, nominating Mike Pence to be his running mate. Talking about the type of judges he would appoint to the Supreme Court who happened to hold views on on gay marriage in this one way. But when he was asked specifically about it, his answer was, it's settled law. This is the way it is. I wish the states could have voted on it, but it's settled law. I'm, it's a done deal. We're moving on. Do you think- I mean, that's...
1: Do you think that his supporters, on by and large, share that opinion? Well,
5: when I sat there at the RNC convention when I was in Cleveland, I saw Peter Thiel, who is the, arguably the most successful uh, gay businessman in American history, get up in front of an entire room of, you know, fire-breathing dragon Republicans and say, I'm a proud gay man, I'm a proud Republican, I'm a proud American. And the result of that was not, you know... The North Carolina delegation stomping out, or you know the consternation. It was a standing ovation that lasted. And you know and 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 that was just three speeches preceded, you know by Donald Trump. and then Donald Trump getting up and you know, recognizing for the first time ever, um you know, the LGBTQ community in his speech. And, you know, in a positive way that that, I mean, again, this is unheard of. And for the four days prior, the three days prior to that, there being a pro LGBTQ reference or a referral to our community and some of the forces we face, um, you know, globally. A a, a positive reference. I mean, Ted Cruz even said something good about us uh, on that stage. I mean, Ralph Reed, who was you know one of not a friend of the of the LGBT community, Mm -hmm. he was relegated to giving the pledge of allegiance. (laughs) Jerry Falwell Jr. again, not a fan of our community, gave a speech just a few speeches before Trump as well, and not a single mention of religious freedom or or gay marriage. This I mean, this is was scripted by the Trump campaign. This is the tone he wanted to set. And it was executed and it was not lost on people.
2: Now, I'm just curious as Mm -hmm. somebody who is paying a lot more attention to the Republican primary Mm -hmm. than I was. Did you expect Trump to do as well as he's done? No,
5: Uh, no, I didn't. Um, So I kind of tuned out for most of of the presidential primary for the Republican Party. Um, I work professionally in politics. I was not employed by any of them by choice. Um, I knew that you know we started with a field of 17 and that clown car got you know b- boiled down to a final few and I started paying attention in February when we had three and you know Ted Cruz Donald Trump John John Kasich um, Ted Cruz is just not an option for me I mean just that's just not an option um, and as much as I like John Kasich you know I'm living in the f- real world not in fantasy land and there was no way he was going to get the nomination Donald Trump, for all of his misgivings, has been, you know, good on good on the issues that I care about. Spoke to them in an authentic way, and on LGBT stuff, like you know, say what you will about him, you know, with women and Latinos and other constituencies, he hasn't flipped and he hasn't said anything. He hasn't screwed up on any LGBT stuff yet, which is great. So has, I, I don't have you know, that problem.
1: So the concern is that he has screwed up on a lot of things. He, he It has been kind of nice, I would say, not to be yes. the target of this, oh, you know, wonderful. in an election thing. I, this, we could all agree this with This is that. the first Republican campaign
5: where I don't have to come on and explain anybody's comments or have to, you know, it's like, well, this is what he really meant. I, I haven't well, had to do that. I mean, I <laughs> would
1: say that th- this is very much up in the air because yeah. he has said one thing, he has said another. And he is divisive and he is divisive, In the Republican Party, not Mm -hmm. just between left and right, does his appeal to and I think what's Mm -hmm. alarming to a lot of people is he has this unprecedented appeal to the what we call the alt right nowadays, which is sort of the white nationalists and his comments about women and Latinos and and Muslims. Does this concern you Um, in, uh, you know, he sort of left us, us alone, but he has done that.
5: The the larger issue, I think, more than anything is it's pivoted the conversation away from, you know, what's nice and us talking about these nice, safe, general talking points that the LGBT community likes in America, you know, and uh, um, continued defense, you know, First first Amendment freedom rights, some of that stuff. But more of, of pivoting towards what what are the actual threats to our community? Um, Donald Trump, I mean, 90 percent of the. Of the, of the conversations that Donald Trump is having is talking about, you know, the way gay and lesbians are treated in other parts of the planet. I mean, what's going on in the Middle yeah. East? Well, that's and, true. And, and, and this is something that Hillary Clinton, for all the money she's taken, has never – really addressed. I mean, she sits there and she talks about, you know, her stand for women for early equality issues, but she has not once criticized her donors in Qatar, in Saudi Arabia, in Bahrain and these other places that are funding them. I mean, okay, I'm, I I'm am... glad Donald Trump is actually broadening the scope of conversation. So it's not, you know, we're done with don't ask, don't tell, thankfully and whatnot, yes. but it's not, you know, it, it's not, We're not harping on transgender bathroom issues when our gay and lesbian brothers and sisters are being stoned and they're, you know, chemically castrated in other countries that are friends of Hillary Clinton's and bankrolling her initiatives. I
1: mean, but to that point, Trump has also done business with the Saudis and people in those countries too. But he didn't have the ability to change.
5: He didn't have the ability to change American policy, and Hillary Clinton did. Just this week, it was announced that the Clinton Foundation failed to disclose a one million dollar contribution from Qatar. Algeria made a contribution to the Bill and Hillary Clinton Foundation the same week that Hillary Clinton took them off the terror watch list. It is okay. pay for play on American policy. Donald Trump can do what he wants as a private businessman, but Hillary Clinton I, I, isn't there. So, <laughs> We're so, getting
1: yes. notices from the control room that it is time to wrap up. Um, but is there
2: is there some little nugget you want to leave us with to sort of.
5: For the, first, for the first time, the LGBT community has a real choice and a real friend. And I think that you should – I don't believe in single-issue voting on anything. And if you're a single-issue voter on LGBT issues, I'd seriously invite you to look at Donald Trump, what he stands for, and playing the long game on this one. Um, we have a choice here in this community. Well, Fair thank enough. you so much for coming by and explaining it to us. Because thank you. Because somebody needed to. Well, and I'd
1: be very interested <laughs> to talk after the election about how yes. this all played out. So I please know. come back. Yes. Charles Moran, past chair of Log Cabin Republicans California and the co-chair of California LGBTQ uh, Trump. And thank you so much for coming and good luck. Thanks so much. All right. Go vote. <laughs> Indeed. So still to come, we will talk to Stephen David Simon, the president of the Stonewall Democratic Club here in Los Angeles, hopefully just as spirited.
2: And I'll share the secrets of a polling place worker.
6: So don't go away. We'll be right back. Environmentalist Rachel Carson remembered, coming up now on the Rainbow Minute. An eloquent writer and marine biologist, Rachel Carson became the mother of the environmental movement. In 1962, her book Silent Spring warned of the dangers of DDT and other chemical pesticides on the food chain, prompting the federal government to take measures against water and air pollution. On May 28, 1981, a Great American Series 17-cent U.S. postage stamp was issued, first in Carson's hometown of Springdale, Pennsylvania. It was almost square in shape, featuring a sketch of her head turned toward the viewer, printed in green ink on a white background. The Marshall Islands, Palau, and Zambia have also honored Carson with a stamp. Stamps were a precious commodity to Rachel Carson and her intimate friend, Dorothy Freeman, who exchanged hundreds of letters. The Rainbow Minute is produced by Judd Proctor and Brian Burns and recorded at WRIR in Richmond, Virginia, and read by volunteers like me, Mary Gay Hutcherson.
7: Hello, I'm Barney Frank. And you were listening to IMRU Radio Magazine, out front and out loud since 1974 on KPFK FM, 90.7 Los Angeles, 98.7 Santa Barbara, 99.5 Red China Lake, 93.7 San Diego, or streaming online at kpfk.org.
5: IMRU
7: I, I don't have to tell you things are bad.
1: Back and we are wondering a little bit when steel belted radials stopped being a thing. So I'll just leave that for you to think about. <laughs> you are listening to IMRU Radio. I'm Abby Dees. And I'm
2: Wenzel Jones.
1: And that clip coming out of Break was, of course, from the 1976 film Network.
2: With a bit of Twisted Sister at the end.
1: Which is a perfect segue back to the election. Joining us in studio now is Stephen David Simon, president of the Stonewall Democratic Club here in Los Angeles and the executive director at the City of Los Angeles Department on Disability. Welcome, Stephen.
8: Hello, good evening.
1: So, the Stonewall Democrats have endorsed Hillary Clinton for president as well as a host of other Democratic nominees for public office, and they've also weighed in on a number of the propositions on the California ballot. Aside from the obvious that Hillary is our Democratic nominee. Um, Why are you endorsing her?
8: Record, record, record. Uh, The future of America. The fact that all the big issues in this election are LGBT issues. How so? Well, whether we're talking about uh, Health care access, housing, homelessness, um, public safety, uh, the gay and lesbian community and transgender and bi community and queer and questioning uh, really care about these issues. Um, our goal isn't just to take marriage, which is in still extraordinarily important, um, adoption, hate crimes, um, and take them to new levels in the Democratic Party. Our goal is to make sure that um, the electorate is fully informed and that gay voices are really heard on all of these issues.
1: One of the big criticisms about Hillary is a lack of some active leadership on hot-button issues. Um, She did take some time to come around to LGBT issues, Uh, you know, The Nancy Reagan memorial was sort of a a low moment when she talked about Nancy Reagan opening the conversation for HIV. And if any of us or if any of you were there, you know that that's not what happened. Um, People are concerned that she's kind of she adopts things when it becomes safe to do so. Uh, Is there I mean, is this a concern of yours? People like Jill Stein have a little bit more of a, you know, even Gary Johnson, arguably, might have more leadership on that.
8: Um, there are other people in this country that might have greater leadership, um, on LGBT issues across the board, but I got to tell you, um, for, um, a major politician and leader in America, Hillary Clinton, Clinton's done an extraordinary job. I mean, at the State Department, she's really gotten up on the international stage and made a difference talking about equal rights, right? Um, human rights, gay rights, equal rights, um, in ways that no one else uh, has done out of the United States at that level. Um, as a senator, um, she's, she's really been a strong supporter of legislation. Um, honestly, I, I think her record... I can't even begin to compare it against her her opponents, right? Well, that <laughs> I mean, I I I just don't know where to go on the notion that uh Ms. Clinton will be so much better on LGBT issues than Mr. Trump and I hear people talk about things like, you know, he's the most LGBT friendly, you know, Republican nominee in history. Well, low bar right <laughs> and so you know waving a flag once at a you know at a, at a public event doesn't make you an LGBT hero going to I don't think he even went to but supporting Elton John's wedding doesn't make you a marriage advocate um, I'm really concerned about um, obviously his choice for vice president who if uh, if um, if he were elected would be probably running much of the show um, is somebody Mr. Pence who's extremely angrily Anti LGBT, and it's simply not acceptable.
1: There are people on the left as well as on the right who are sort of never Hillary people. And uh, their concerns, I think, is that she's been a moderate in many ways. She was a hawk uh, around the Iraq War. Um, how do you address their concerns?
8: You know, I'm going to jump back to sort of Stonewall and its founding in our mission, right? Um, while we educate the general public, while we fight to get LGBT candidates um, elected and LGBT-friendly and supportive candidates elected, our job is to change the Democratic Party and make sure it's as responsive as possible. And that's been true for 40 years now. I think we were founded a little after this radio show was. Um, <laughs> we were in 75. Um And we've done that kind of educating. I gotta tell you, the last eight years have been really tough. I was very excited at an Obama presidency both times. And then I watched this country because of a conservative Congress pull to the center. Um, And it's been troubling. But every time someone critiques President Obama around Obamacare, it's because what we all discussed as a community to get in place to help protect Americans, get them health care, got torn apart by a Republican-dominated Congress, and we didn't get what we asked for. And then when it didn't work r- as well as it could have, they blamed the president. And we've seen that with every major policy initiative, inc- from, from war uh, to health care to education, um, on down. And I think um, Ms. Clinton's going to be facing that same issue when she wins tomorrow. Um, <laughs> and I just hope that we can figure out how to get a Congress and work down-ticket and also the state and local level to make sure we have people uh, in government who are trying to make government work.
2: Now, do you think uh, that she would be the candidate she is today had it not been for Bernie Sanders pushing her into that for the past year? Because, I I mean, I can remember her saying things like, well, single payer is just pie in the sky, you know, as if Canada doesn't exist. And we're not Denmark because those are crazy foreign ideas. It's like, And she finally had to be pushed into... Embracing
8: things like that because he was just doing so well. Um, No question about it. And I hope that people that were Hillary supporters all the way along can see that and embrace that. Uh, We at Stonewall hosted an event uh, that brought together sort of the Hillary and uh, Bernie folks in L.A. Mm a month ago to to really talk about how do we truly work together to make change in this country. We need the progressive left to push um, um, the Democratic center um, in, in directions that are really gonna serve Americans at all levels. Um, banking reform, um, trade issues, these are things that we're all concerned about. Again, they're LGBT issues as much as they are anyone else's issues, and we do need um, our folks in Congress that can, uh, you know, again, fight against sort of big business interests and big money interests, and bring it back to the folks who often are supporting Trump, it seems, these days, which really troubles me. The worker in Ohio, who thinks somehow he or she is magically going to get um, wages raised or better benefits or better health care in a Trump administration, that's, that's simply not the case. And we, we know that. History has told us that. So I do think um, we have the opportunity to push the Democratic Party more progressive um, in this coming uh, four years or eight years, actually.
1: Is that something yeah. that Stonewall would like to see? I mean, what are the issues that – you know, if you could have a magic wand and a president, Hillary Clinton, did X, Y, and Z, what would be the things you'd like to see her doing as priorities?
8: Health care, economy, um, tax restructuring, all things that both of them are talking about a bit, national um, security issues. We have to deal with all of those issues uh, and human rights and equal rights issues. Um, these are things that um, Hillary can be working on now and I guarantee you that her opponents will not make true top priorities for the average American.
2: What is it in the American character? Why do we keep electing presidents in one party and giving them a Congress <laughs> in another? I mean have we not learned anything? This has been going on you most You could of argue that
1: that's part of our one of our strengths is that things don't move very fast. <laughs>
8: Well, well, and there's a perception of check and balance, right, yeah. that we're going to find balance. And I I grew up in a world where that seemed to make sense. And you've got you know, Congress members of both parties. It was sort of an all-boys club, which was a little troubling, but at the same time, they had a respect for each other. We were sort of other, playing
1: by the same rules.
8: Playing by the same rules. And you could have diversified that, and they could talk to each other. Um, I think that would be a great thing. Checks and balances have now turned into, and I think for the first time in, in the first Obama administration, where you had hostile, conservative Congress members actually say that our goal is to stop the president from doing anything. That's shutting down this country, and it's not, it's not, it's not okay.
1: It's not really a check or a balance. It's not just a a, balance. things coming to a halt. Um, up until recently, and I would say this is in part because of our great successes mm-hmm. in our community, it's been a tru- truism that if you are LGBT, you are a Democrat. And with a few exceptions. But there is a shift. And as our last guest from Log Cabin kind of demonstrated, even among younger conservatives, that the, it doesn't necessarily mean if you are LGBT that you are going to click the Democrat box. Does the Democratic Party need to kind of step up its game to keep this constituency? Or what needs to happen to sort of recognize that... Younger people generally may not have a memory of our history to get to this point are choosing which is their right as Americans.
8: Both parties, all parties uh, need to step up their game. It's simple enough. Um, Civil rights, equal rights um, are issues that impact everybody. I mean the black community, LGBT community, Latino community, uh, immigrants, young folks are all folks that the Republican spin machine wants to say the Democratic Party takes for granted. I don't believe Democrats uh, take any of these communities for granted. I do believe we've spent so much time with political infighting, we haven't focused on the grassroots support people need. I mean, I'd love to see campaign of- offices stay open in the off years and help direct people into services, ha- help do um, you know, community-driven work to support all these different communities we've mentioned. Um, I got to tell you, um, the Democratic elected officials I know do not take any of these communities for granted, Uh, but our goal is we have to listen more. We have to spend less time campaigning, and I'll say this for all parties, the Democrats as well, spend less time campaigning and raising money, which is another reason we want big money out of politics, um, uh, and spend time in communities. And I think the Democrats are far ahead of of, uh, the Republican Party in doing that.
1: You've been working in this area for a long time, and I'm wondering if you are seeing a difference Mm -hmm. between sort of the newest... Members to the political process and activists that have been around in a long time, or a difference in priorities or or methods, or is it about the same?
8: I I, I, I laugh a little at that because I think methods are entirely different because everything starts with a hashtag. That's true, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm just getting caught up on it. Hmm. Um, I think. You know, I just turned 50, and a lot of folks my age, we, we're we doing that classic look back, you know, back in my day. Um, you <laughs> That's
1: know, what things- we get to do when we get older, though. <laughs> we get to lord this over younger people and be all bitter that they have no memory of how we struggled.
8: <laughs> we, we get to do that. But I look, for example, at the HIV epidemic, which, again, I, you know, I spent a lot of time as AIDS coordinator under Mayors Hahn and, and Ragosa saying to people it's not just a gay issue, right? Uh, HIV is is a black issue. HIV is an, an Asian issue. So we actually put billboards up to say that. We love to go back to those days and talk about what younger people sort of missed to make their um, decisions in life. And I got to tell you, they have more access to all of that than we ever did because of simply being more internet savvy than we are. So I think they, we, we don't, Support millen- millennials enough by understanding that they actually really do understand what's going on, and they want to make decisions. And us 50 plus folks need to maybe give them a little more room uh, and control. And I'd love to see a lot more younger elected folks um, be moving in at the state, local, and federal level.
1: Are you seeing a interest in activism in young people, or is because we hear mm-hmm. about kind of this, you know? 20-something mm-hmm. on We, and I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. bu- quite buying that that's happening.
8: I'm not buying it at all. We uh, – you know, I've been – I think I've been president of Stonewall six years. I have to check that, and I've been a member probably 17, 18 years now. And there is more than ever in those years a, a crop of new, young – Folks who, you know, they work. Some of them work for elected officials. Some of them do lobbying work. Some of them are just community leaders that are really interested in advancing an agenda. And I really think they're the future of Stonewall. And I'm, I'm trying to actually step down. We have our next elections in July, and really make sure we've got, um, you know, a path for all these new young leaders to go forward.
2: Well, and one thing about the terribly young is that they don't remember a time when there wasn't a Hillary Clinton on the public stage. It's like we remember when she showed up and said she wasn't going to bake cookies. But that is, it's just such an amazing thing to think of her as as she's now like this gray eminence.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, something else that's come up in this election is I think that we've never seen such a feeling of kind of disgust generally about the democratic process. And from your perspective and your work how do you think we are going to heal this rift not just between left and right but this fear that we seem to have about one another people who disagree Um, how do we bring back voter confidence confidence in the system you were talking about the civility of the past can we get back there
8: there's a level of honesty and integrity that we've lost from political discourse. I hope we can get back there, but I think it's many, many years. Uh, it comes back to the point where I think we need to provide direct services on the street to people to give them faith in them getting their services and being heard. And I, you know, it's funny. I complain day and night about a, the conservative media machine. At the same time, I think, wow, do I sound just like them complaining about you know a liberally biased <laughs> media? Um, there is a difference. Um, one difference is <laughs> one side of that argument tries to make sure people are informed. And if honestly there's a slight bias towards really working for the people, hey, the other side wants to create these myths that just aren't they aren't based in reality at all. Everything from climate change is a hoax, so we can win elections to all this voter fraud is going on, and people's grandmothers are voting three times. It doesn't even exist. And And I'd love to if I can take a moment on on that, Ben. you know, we've over a decade, we've got we've got several major, major, major um, research projects that show over about 10, 12 years, Um, There may have been 31 cases of voter fraud with voter ID issues, 31 cases in the entire country in more than a decade. So this whole made-up story is a fantasy, and conservative media is willing to do that, willing to sell out that Trump was almost assassinated the other day, made up. Right. And then perpetuated when it was clearly false. You wouldn't
1: have been back on that stage if that were a considerable threat. This is
8: the
2: downside to being older. One day it will be done more civilly, but we won't be around. We won't be around. That's why
1: we need young people. Get involved. Get involved. Well, thank
2: you you so much for coming (laughs) by. (laughs)
1: That's Stephen Simon, the executive director at the City of Los Angeles Department on Disability and the president of the Stonewall Democratic Club. Just Stonewall Democratic Club, not just the steering committee, the whole darn club. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: And because it's radio, you all miss out on the fact that he showed up in a suit and tie, which he looks very has never happened. And I know. not
1: 50. I'm just so, yes, sort of sick I know. to say.
2: So, for more information on the Stonewall Democratic Club, you can go to their website, which is stonewalldems.org.
1: And we have. A little bit of Polling 101 in case you need a refresher for tomorrow.
2: It's that time again when I, your gay poll worker, will answer your questions and give you tips on how to have your best precinct experience ever. Once more, I've turned to Facebook to glean questions from my vast social circle, by which I mean the three people who read my posts. Our very own Angela asks if it's okay to take a selfie in the voting booth. In fact, it is not. Or rather, it is illegal to post a photo of your marked ballot. I know Beyonce has done it, and that should make it beyond reproach, but in fact, it's more of a Kardashian thing to do, so don't do it. Tracy asks if identification is required. Oh, Tracy, once again, you mistake California for Texas. There's no identification required unless you're a new voter. If this is your first election, bring a photo ID or, barring that, a utility bill, a gym card, or just about anything with your name and address on it. The list of acceptable identifications options is long, but unlike Texas, does not include your gun license, nor can you use a ticket stub from your last rice and concert. Friend of IMRU Wendell asks if it's alright to wear a pantsuit and a blonde wig to the polling place. Well, as long as it doesn't have a political logo or sentiment on it, I don't see why not. The lines tomorrow could be long, however, so don't forget to pair it with a pair of sensible shoes. And to be inclusive, a shiny suit with a fat tie is also acceptable wear. Ralph asks, which cocktail goes best with a vote-by-mail ballot? I'm completely nonpartisan when it comes to alcohol and I actively embrace all options. However, make sure that you mark your ballot during the first part of your cocktail so that your marks are neat and clean and not likely to confuse the ballot reader. However, if you've not yet put your ballot in the mail, you might just want to walk it in tomorrow. You can drop it off at any precinct in LA County. There's no need to stand in line since you're not being processed. But do make sure your vote by mail envelope is obvious as you walk past everyone in line and do repeat from time to time something along the lines of, just dropping this off, and then go to the ballot box clerk and do so. The clerk will pop your ballot into the box, hand you an I Voted sticker, and send you on your way. Laura's distressed that she voted by mail, but has since changed her mind. Can she go in and vote a regular ballot now that she's wiser? No, she cannot. Once you've cast your marked ballot, it's over. Remember, a cast ballot is more like a tattoo than it is a bad haircut. So I'm afraid that's all the time we have now for this segment. If you have any more questions, go to lavote.net and all the answers will be there. So tomorrow, get out there, vote early, vote wisely, and be sure to be nice to your poll worker it could be me. Happy Election Day.
1: Oh, Wenzel. Oh, thank you, our resident poll worker, my for those pleasure. wise words. What would we do without you on voting day? It's a
2: life of service and devotion.
1: You know what I have learned from you and from others now is that if you are in doubt about your registration status, about whether you are at the right polling place, just show up. And talk to them?
2: Yes, you can. And if you're at the wrong polling place or for some reason you can't get to your precinct, you can vote provisionally. And that ballot will be counted, despite what some people are many around here rumors. say.
1: <laughs> the provisional ballot counts, as, as I heard today, is, the, is just handled with a little extra TLC.
2: Right, because they have to double-check and make sure that you are a registered voter. And that not you a do... zombie exactly. coming from the dead to exactly. vote.
1: Okay. Well, that's it for tonight.
2: Our thanks to IMRU's coordinating producer, Steve Pride, tonight's director, Maddie McLaughlin, social media queen, Ms. Barbecue, board op Federica Garcia, and our Rainbow Minute producers, Judd Proctor, and...
1: Brian, Brian Burns, Burns. <laughs> and as always, you can find us online at Radio dot org and follow us on Facebook at imru radio, where the link to the latest show is posted every Tuesday afternoon.
2: Afternoons, and, and no matter whom you support in tomorrow's election, please vote.
1: Really, it is your right. It is your duty. It is.
2: You said duty. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: From our pool worker. <laughs> <laughs> we will close with a song on that high note. See, when they go low, we stay low.
2: <laughs> and dig deeper.
1: <laughs> that song that's both the anthem for supporters of California's Proposition 64 and was the official campaign song during JFK's 1960 run for the White House.
2: Good night. Good night.
4: So look
9: so anytime you're getting low, instead of letting go, just remember that ant. Whoops, there goes another rubber tree plant. Whoops, there goes
5: another rubber tree
9: plant. Oops, there goes another rubber tree plant. silly old ram thought he'd punch a hole in a dam no one could make that ram scram he kept button that damn cause he had high hopes he had high hopes he had high apple pie in the sky hopes. Oh, time you're feeling bad, instead of feeling sad, just remember that ram, oops there goes a billion kilowatt dam, oops there goes a billion kilowatt dam. There goes another problem, Oops, up. there goes another problem, curveball. Oops, problem,